Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Now, after a huge week in the media landscape, we'll check the latest in the world of old and new media this week with our brilliant guru, Steve Krieger. Steve, welcome back. Thank you, Lee. Steve, we don't often talk about old media in our segment, but the huge shakeout in both Fairfax and News Limited this past week has one word written all over them, and uh, this is the reason for it, the internet. Yeah, absolutely. So this week, uh, Fairfax is talking about uh, slashing huge numbers of jobs, uh, changing the format of their newspaper, shifting from a broadsheet to a, to a tabloid, uh, and then looking at what they're going to do to deliver content online. How are they going to start charging people uh, to view their newspapers online? Because this is, uh, they've recognised, where uh, more and more people are looking to find their their news and the model that they've been using um, up until now doesn't work anymore. It's not sustainable. They can't pay the bills. They've got to look for a new way to do things, and that's all because of the internet. So the quality journalism of the past, it seems to me, will be pushed into the 24-hour media cycle more and more. So journos who would only write perhaps one story every two or three days, quality journalism will be forced to meet that minute-by-minute minute deadline of the 24-hour news cycle. That, that's one uh, possibility, I think. I mean, there's a few things that are going on here. I mean, people have access to a much larger uh, amount of media than they've ever had access to before. So rather than just going to one source, always going to the Sydney Morning Herald to get, get your news, uh, we're now exposed not just to newspapers and television and radio, but also media providers from around the world. So we can afford to be uh, a, bit, uh, a bit pickier, yep. uh, a bit more fussy. Uh, but also the, the funding sources uh, have shifted. So in the past, if someone wanted to advertise their, um, their car for sale, their house for sale, they'd have to do that through the newspaper. Yes. But now anyone with um, a great idea and a little bit of money uh, can start up a website um, to sell homes or sell anything they like, uh, and these attract uh, you know, pe people who, who, who want to advertise. Um, and so all that, funding and, uh, all that funding source has been stripped out of the newspapers, so they don't have money anymore like they used to to fund journalists to the same degree that they have in the past. And so we're seeing this, I think, even in some of the online newspapers. The, the journalists are going for a more blogging style. They're, uh, they're writing more regularly but in smaller, more immediate uh, pieces. Yes. Uh, and that's the type of... Uh, that's how we're consuming this kind of news media these days. We don't, we're not sitting around every day uh, with the newspaper at the breakfast table for an hour opening up uh, the newspaper uh, to read long articles. That, that type of reading has changed. And of course, beyond newspapers and even beyond formal media, this is the area in which we have the citizen journalist. Anybody could be a journalist now. That's right. Uh, it's amazing how many people say they go to Twitter now for their, their news. Yes. Uh, this is the first place that they look to see what's going on. But th I think there's some good things about this power shift. Uh, there's a change in um, who is able to report, who is able to share news, who is able to um, communicate about what's happening in the world. Uh, there was Mark Day in The Australian earlier this week, and he said um, the internet is a destructive force blowing apart old accepted ways of doing things while facilitating the growth of new businesses, new profit centres, new employers, new ways of doing things and new social habits. 
Uh, and this is what, we've, what, what we're seeing at the moment. Um, anyone is able to report, anyone's able to start their own website. Of course, it doesn't mean that what they're saying is legitimate uh, or true, um, but the power base has shifted from a couple of um, media corporations um, to anyone. And uh, there's a real kind of uh, democratic feel to that, um, that if you've got something to say and you've got access to information and to truth and to knowledge, um, that you now have the ability, like never before, to share that with the world. Yeah. Steve, somewhat related, there was a really powerful demonstration about all this power and especially the reach and the accessibility of new media in China this past week. Yeah, really, uh, really sad story, this yes. one, about a, a lady who uh, was seven months uh, pregnant uh, with her second child and uh, with the one-child policy um, uh, that wasn't permitted. Uh, she was told to pay a fine. She refused to pay that fine, and so she was uh, forced. Um, she was uh, sedated, um, and then she, uh, the baby was, uh, w- was aborted. Um, and uh, some pictures uh, were going viral, um, terrible pictures of the lady with her, with her baby, dead baby, lying beside her in the hospital bed, uh, and quite rightly causing outrage, not just in the West, but also in China through its social media channels. Uh, this story um, took on, again, a, a life of its own. I think this is another good example of what the Internet does and its positive power, uh, it's destructive force. You know, destruction can be bad, uh, but destruction um, can also be good. You know, dist- we can destroy darkness uh, with light, uh, and we can show um, evil, and we can show um, things that ought not to be, and replace them with the things that that ought to be. And this is what's going on here with social media. With this story, many many people found found out about what happened to this lady. This terrible incident for this lady than would ever have found out in the days before social media. And again, this outrage you know, forced um, a lot of conversations, a lot of difficult conversations in China to take place, but also in Australia about the place of uh, abortion and how we treat life. Uh, and so just through one incident, one terribly tragic incident with one lady and her um, seven-month-old um, yet-to-be-born baby, a whole lot of conversations have been had that would never have taken place before. Yes, indeed. Changing gear entirely, we're also seeing in your arena of new media and social media the rise and rise of social meals. Please explain. Yeah, well, let me explain with a a short story from my own life. Okay. Um, Probably two and a half years ago, uh, I got married. We went up to the Sunshine Coast uh, and uh, enjoyed some time up there. And we heard about this place where you could go to learn how to cook. It was a little cooking school. And the, the way it worked was you'd, they'd teach you how to cook three different meals. And at the end of the night, you'd eat those meals together. And there were probably 20 people there. Now, apart from my wife and I, we didn't know anyone um, else. And this turned out to be a fantastic night as we sat down and enjoyed each stage of the meal with 18 other people that we'd never met before. They were all complete strangers at the start of the night. But by the end of the night, we, we knew one another. We'd shared something of our lives. There's something significant about sitting down with people and having a meal. Yes. And so there's this new... There's always something new going on in the world of social media, but yes. uh, a, a new area of, of social meals where you can uh, sign up on a website to go and have a meal with a bunch of people you've never met before. This is usually framed around a particular area of interest. Um, so maybe you're interested in, I don't know, knitting uh, or 
creating a new, a new business, people who share that interest will also sign up to that meal and then you'll just rock up to the restaurant together, meet one another and chat. I think, you know, something, I think there's something in this. Uh, you know, it's not just a, an online conversation. It's taking these connections that we have online and then bringing them to a, uh, a real life, an in-person uh, meeting. Uh, and I think you know, that's something that I would like to participate in. Definitely think it'll catch on. You've also found an interesting blog article on, as it's put, one indispensable rule for using social media. Tell us what that is. Yeah, I love this. I mean, Kevin, Kevin DeYoung is a pastor from uh, the US, uh, and he's got a lot of great stuff to say on the Gospel Coalition website. His one golden rule is this. Assume that everyone everywhere will read what you write or post. Everyone everywhere. So uh, don't assume that you know, you've got the right settings down, the privacy settings, or that no one else will, will see it. Always assume um, maximum exposure of your communication. Yeah. But there are ways in which we can restrict our privacy and tighten the circle of people who can read and see what we post, but that's not nearly as watertight as we might think. No, that's right. And he goes on to say, and I'll quote from him, he says, no matter your settings or how tight your circle is, you ought to figure that anyone in the world could come across your social media. All it takes is a link or a search or a bunch of friends you don't know gathered around a phone that belongs to someone you do know. Anyone can see everything, your pastor, your parishioners, your ex-whatever, your boss, your prospective employer, your spouse, your kids, your in-laws, your fans, your constituents, your opponents, your enemies, your parole officer, anyone, he's trying to say, um, can get access to this. And we've got to end the, the era uh, of naivety where we think that you know, somehow, even if our privacy settings might be locked down, A, that those privacy settings are permanent, um, we've got no guarantee that there won't be some breach in security on one of these websites and somehow that information will get leaked. It's happened in the past. Um, but B, you don't know whether, as he points out, a friend of a friend might be viewing your Facebook post on their phone um, and how will that information be received? And he has two other rules for using social media suggested for the Christian community. That's right. I mean, a reminder we always need to hear, and that's firstly that as people who follow Christ, we are representing Christ uh, on, online. We, wherever we go, uh, we are always his ambassadors or little Christs. Uh, and we need to remember that in, in all of our interactions, in every uh, word that we say, in every post that we like. The second thing that he, he says is that uh, when you need to criticise, and sometimes there is a place for, for criticism uh, online and, and offline, uh, imagine that the mother of the person you are criticising is reading that post. And his basic reminder here is we're always talking about humans. We're talking about other people. And sometimes we need to say hard things, but we need to remember that we're saying hard things about another human being, a human being who has a mother, who has you know, a, a wife or a husband or children. They've got feelings, so write about them as people who have feelings. Don't remove yourself, and this is what the internet is so dangerous in. It makes us feel like we're, we're writing about um, things and uh, people that, that don't really exist or will never really read about what we've written. Yes. Finally, also on the Christian online world, we've seen a milestone marked for the Max 7 website. Tell us about this one, because it's quite a good one. 
Yes, it's good news. This is good news. So Max7 is a, uh, a website that provides free downloadable uh, Bible resources, curriculum, lessons, images, crafts, songs, games, aimed at that, that children's market. It's a, it's a collaborative website, so anyone from around the world can uh, upload uh, these resources, and anyone from around the world can download them. So there's this great story of uh, 15,000 children in Liberia uh, downloading, um, uh, using uh, resources that have been downloaded from this Max7 website um, to, uh, to learn and to grow and to um, discover how wonderful Jesus is. So, uh, again, this is a great example. We've kind of flip-flopped, I think, you know, from each story. You know, there's good, there's bad, there's good, there's bad. This is another great example of the power of uh, the Internet. I love this. I love it that the Internet enables us to use whatever gifts and knowledge and skills we have, and then share that with the global church. We don't have to keep that within our own local parish. If we've thought of a good game, there's a a guy I know online uh, who's great at thinking up youth group games. He's just created an app for the iPhone um, that you can download, and then it gives you this whole resource of games that you could play um, with your youth group. Again, just all these ideas that, that we have become resources for the global church yeah. um, and that's the power of the internet and you might even make a mozzarella on the side too well there is that possibility <laughs> <laughs> steve Krager, as always thanks so much mate thank you lee we hope you enjoyed this open house podcast thanks to christian super and real world technology solutions to hear more from open house visit openhousecommunity.com.au